From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good morning to you, wherever you may be. Welcome to Lighthouse Live over the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Thanks so much for joining us today. Mike Douglas here along with Elaine Harlan, our producer and co-host. And Elaine, a special guest today, a brother that I've had the privilege of uh, knowing now for uh, a little over a decade. Hard hard to believe that. Uh, I didn't, I mean... Fifteen years ago, I didn't even know what a Modesto was. And now you are and one. And now I are one. And, uh, <laughs> Pastor Wade Estes, First Baptist Church in Modesto, with us today to uh, talk about really some um, pretty uh, heady stuff. Uh, when when uh, interesting things occur to us, Wade, <laughs> it gives us brand new dimensions of understanding God's grace and his faithfulness, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. And thanks for inviting me to be with you today, Mike. Absolutely. And uh, friends, just a reminder, if you'd like to find out more ways that you can serve the needs of the community in response to Christ's command to love your neighbors as yourself, remember, you can check our website. It's www.vibrantcommunities.org. That's vibrantcommunities.org. Click on the little red flashy dealy there, and uh, it'll take you right to the daily update page where Elaine uh, gives you brand new opportunities to serve, and also we have a calendar up there for you. By the way, if you're around uh, in the next week or two, June 21st is our next open house luncheon. Great opportunity to learn about how we do what we do, how you can get connected to the needs of the community. That's from noon to 1 p.m. here on uh, Thursday, June 21st. If you give us a call, we'll be happy to give you information on that. It's 209-544-9571. That's 209-544-9571. Before we go on now, let's check in with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. Hey, what's up? This is Toby Mack with a challenge to anyone who has the courage to seek the title Jesus Freak. Sixteen families in one village in North Vietnam, members of the Hmong tribe, were told to give up their faith or leave the village. The police said the Christians could not live near any non-Christians for fear they might spread the gospel. In one sense, the police were right. When the families refused to leave, nine Christian leaders were severely beaten, and all 16 homes were burned to the ground. Now, sheltered only by plastic tarps, the Hmong Christians were determined to demonstrate their bold faith to their neighbors, and to the world. For more on brave Christians all over the world, go online to persecution.com. Just a reminder, friends, uh, how blessed we are here in the United States of America to uh, be able to have the freedom to gather together. I mean, here uh, you just see the enemy uh, seizing fear 
and using intimidation, and yet uh, under those uh, very uh, horrible circumstances, you know, the, the gospel shines and light, uh, Christ shines through those who, who are bold about their faith. And uh, you think sometimes, you know, we we get upset over little ordinances or, you know, whatever it might be, and, and yet you put it into God's perspective mm-hmm. and what great things he's doing around the world and uh, how, how people are just uh, letting Christ shine through them in just uh, amazing ways. Please keep the persecuted church, uh, church in your prayers uh, around the world, friends. And uh, now, uh, speaking it well, you know, we, we, we have those little annoyances, and I think one of the... Uh, annoyances that we're blessed with are, are some of the laws and some of the legislation that, that goes on. And uh, right now, we're going to uh, check in with a weekly update with an expert on those subjects, Brad Dacus from the Pacific Justice Institute. It's time for The Legal Edge with Brad Dacus. By banning the Lord's Prayer at graduation, a Michigan high school is facing possible legal consequences. You see, student Nicholas Zemanski was killed in an accident last fall, and his fellow school choir members wanted to honor him by singing his favorite song, The Lord's Prayer at Graduation. Unfortunately, what Nick's classmates see as an opportunity to honor their friend is being viewed by school officials as a violation of the separation of church and state. Well, after Nick's mother contacted Pacific Justice Institute for assistance, we have written a demand letter informing school officials that the Constitution mandates accommodation and forbids hostility toward any and all religions. The school's decision is pending. I'm Brad Dacus. To find out more about The Legal Edge, call 916-857-6900 or log on at pacificjustice.org. And just a reminder, friends, Brad Dacus and uh, his crew from the Pacific Justice Institute will be out here on February 12th, 2008. Kind of weird thinking about 2008. It really is already. I'm I'm still back in 2006. (laughs) 2007 bypass me. forward just a little bit. There you go. And Brad will be here. And and the seminar that we had uh, last uh, uh, February was just absolutely dynamic, Mm -hmm. a great way to get on top of what's happening in terms of the law, what uh, your legal responsibilities are. If you're a pastor, if you're a business administrator, this is uh, one of the most superior things that you can go to. And it's free. Mm -hmm. And especially to attract us pastors, Wade, there's free food. (laughs) And that always does it, doesn't it? It works. Every time. Again, that's February 12th. If you'd like more information, again, on the Pacific Justice Institute, you can give them a call at one 305 That's one 305 And their excellent website is www.pacificjustice.org. Time to check out just a couple of items on the Volunteer Center of the United Way. You might want to become a bus driver or at least check out the Stanislaw County Department of Public Works where you can help Stanislaw County Regional Transit or the START maintain the schedule adherence while you learn transit gathering techniques. Transit gathering techniques. techniques. Yeah, kind of an interesting concept. Does that like pe- picking people up in the bus? Well, Does that it what that means? sort of includes okay, that. I, I was it's, checking. it's a volunteer opportunity right. nonetheless. And Good. That's kind of All where right. we come in. The volunteers are needed in the public transit division uh, to perform such tasks as routine checks, uh, such as time checks, board counts, and boarding surveys, and the like. Interested indi- individuals uh, may be riding public transits and should have good communication skills and enjoy working with people. Imagine that. And they should like riding the bus, too. And they should like riding the bus. 
us. So imagine that. Flexible uh, volunteer scheduling is available Monday through Saturday between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Now, the Stanislaw County Department of Public Works is responsible for the development and maintenance of the county's infrastructure, and its mission is to provide a safe and healthy community while focusing on economic development. And it's an opportunity here to meet and connect and, of course, serve lots of people, and that's very important. And you may want to provide health services to the community, uh, a variety of volunteer positions assisting medical staff and patients uh, available through the HSA public health system. Uh, opportunities include clerical duties, uh, filing, receptionists, clinical aides, medical records, children's activities, gift shops, interpreters, uh, HIV counselors, phlebotomist. That's a kind of an interesting word. And That's one of those big words. One of those big words and kind of they draw blood, you know, that kind of stuff that you like to do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, registered nurses, uh, baby trap, physical therapists, uh, pharmacy assistants, uh, uh, on-call volunteers, and, and we like that, too. Uh, ability is a plus, uh, but not required for Spanish-English ability. Oh, I thought you meant for being a phlebotomist. Yeah, no, oh, well, that's kind of a strange deal. <laughs> anyway, uh, flexible ships, once again, uh, for all the volunteers, adult and juniors. Uh, HSA is a network of outpatient medical programs and services providing health care and information and support to the community. And, and you know, uh, Elaine, with, with the budget situation, it is, yes. the way it is right now, the volunteers are absolutely critical yes, right indeed. now, especially in, in this county. So we encourage absolutely. you to take advantage of we that. We certainly do. And, of course, one of our favorite things is spending time uh, at senior facilities visiting uh, with those who can't get out. Yeah, but last time I visited, they tried to keep me. Well, is the problem. you wonder why. But we do encourage our ABC volunteers to uh, get out. And one of the great things that we love doing, and it's not just with the English Oaks Nursing Facilities, but with many of the facilities, is Adopt a Grandparent Day. And they do this once a month. And we just encourage you to uh, call Dawn. She's in charge of their um, activities program there. And you can call Dawn at 209-577-1001, extension 7677. And she'd be glad to plug you into some of their activities there. And they do this once a month. It's just a great activity for parents to do with their children and grandchildren and just to get involved and, and to just uh, love someone who may not have uh, regular visits from anyone, family or friends. So many lonely seniors lonely out there in facilities, aren't there? Lonely yeah. people in general who just uh, need a helping, loving hand from someone. And it doesn't take a lot of time, and it's just a wonderful way for us to reach out and uh, love our neighbors. And if you have any questions about any of these items uh, on this week's list, call Barbara Borba. She's at 209-524-1307, extension 113, 209-524-1307, extension 113. She'd be very glad to uh, talk to you and uh, tell you more about those items. And uh, we just are um, thrilled to talk to you as well here at our office at ABC 544-9571. Always feel free to give us a call. And uh, I tell you what, we have been looking forward to this week's interview and, and time spent with Pastor Wade Estes at First Baptist Church in Modesto. And, and you know, it's, a, it's an honor this week, Wade, to welcome you here to Lighthouse Live. And just want to thank you for carving out your time with us this morning. Doing a morning show is kind of a, a refreshing <laughs> time for us, for us because huh? I'm a morning person 
myself. I'm just ready to go. And, well, now that goes and, uh, back to your roots it does, in radio, it does it? does, it does. And I'm, I'm a morning person yeah. up and ready to go, and I won't tell you what time I woke up this morning because it just goes against the grain of my body. It's not natural, <laughs> it's Elaine. Not it's natural, just natural. And, <laughs> and a lot of things are. But, you know, uh, we just want to thank you for being here with us. And I guess it was about, well, sometime last year, uh, an occurrence in your life that just uh, kind of took took a whole different spin, and uh, if you just would share with us this morning, maybe uh, uh, go back to that baseball game where it all took place. I know that uh, uh, community watched as uh, you went through that time, and maybe just take us back uh, to to an accident that, that happened. In your yeah, ha- happy to. Thank you for, for having me today. It was uh, it's actually September 10th, and um, our family was especially <laughs> happy at that time because our son Brandon had just returned from his second tour in Iraq Mm. and he was whole and it appeared he was healthy emotionally and physically and all and we were just excited we were riding high celebrating celebrating and um, had a great morning at at church and um, you know even shared with everybody how neat it was to have Brandon home and safe and I made a comment that people reminded me of later because I said something like, um, you know, just because, you know, we walk with the Lord, we follow the Lord, doesn't mean bad things don't happen to us. Mm. And I said, I want to thank all of you for your prayers that Brandon's home safely. Because just because he's a Christian, just because he's a pastor's son, doesn't mean bad things can't happen to him. And I said, you know, bad things happen to good people. It's, it's welcome to life, you know. And so that night, I go out to play softball and uh, two of my sons are on that team, and they'd asked me to, to come and play with them. So I was pitching, which I've done for years, and uh, fourth batter of the game stepped up, and this was a, a tournament team, and we're playing in a recreation league, and they're just looking for places to play. And their cleanup hitter gets up, top of the first inning, uh, pitch him the ball, and he meets the ball really well, came <laughs> straight back at me, and in the past, I've always, my, my reflexes are still pretty quick, and I just catch them, knock them down, whatever. Well, this time, there was there was no time to react. In fact, they figured out there was between one-third and one-half of a second mm. between the time the, the ball left his bat and hit my face. Wow. And uh, I hit the ground immediately. Um, could see I, my right hand had come up to cover the right-hand side of my face just instinctively. Um I saw out of my left eye just blood pouring out onto the ground, and I figured, well, my nose is broken. And that just kind of to go with a broken nose. And this thought runs through my mind, well, get up, man. You know, don't just lay on the ground. And another voice said, I think you better just stay put. <laughs> you know? And, um, uh, well, and this batter was a monster, wasn't he? I mean, he's was a not big a guy. little guy, right? No, he, yeah. he was a big guy. I'd say he's about 6'2, 6'3, 260. Um, big, big guy, tournament cleanup hitter. And uh, and actually some of the details we found out later, they'd actually put the wrong ball into play, mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons it was moving so fast. Wow. And uh, I knew the ball felt a little different when I was pitching it, but, you know, the balls were landing in the strike zone, so, and I figured they're the ones who are supposed to check the ball, so I didn't really even think twice about it. That'll one teach my, you to throw strikes. Yeah, huh? I tell you, I tell you. So... Um, so, yeah, that, that ball came. It, it smashed in the right-hand side of my face. Uh, one of the guys on the team who plays shortstop is a Vietnam vet, and so he was 
right there. I think it kind of took him back to battle times. And he's tapping on my ear uh, with his open hand, just saying, stay with us, Wade, stay with us. And it was interesting because since it hit basically about where my cheekbone is, you know, between the cheekbone and the nose, um, it didn't get anywhere near my brain, so I didn't pass out at all. I was awake, you know, through the through the whole time. And it happened so suddenly and so forcefully, I didn't feel any pain either. I was going to ask, what about the pain? Yeah, there there was there was <laughs> no pain at all. And, uh, in fact, he just kept tapping my ear, and another fella who's on the team was a sheriff's deputy. So he had a special line he could call for an ambulance, and he's saying these code words, which I don't know exactly what they mean, but I know he's getting an ambulance there. So in about 15 minutes, an ambulance shows up, and uh, they roll me over on my back, and my wife said that it was pretty scary sight because, uh, and, and if she hadn't known it was me, she never would have guessed by looking at my wow. face that it was me because it's it just the whole face swole up, you know, mm-hmm. immediately. Um, and later I was to find out that most every bone on the right side of my face was broken. Wow. Uh, the nose was broken. Uh, the cheekbone was broken. And there are four okay. bones that support the cheekbone. They were all broken. Uh, the lower orbit of my eye, you know, that, that frames the eye socket there, that was, was pulverized. And then there's a plate underneath the eyeball that holds the eyeball up. And that was all shattered. Wow. But the eye didn't come out. But the eye, no, stayed right in. And, uh, I mean, it was all swollen shut anyway, so I couldn't, couldn't see anything. The EMT with the ambulance, uh, after they got me loaded inside, he was telling me that he's gone on calls like this where the, they pick someone up who's been hit by the softball, and either they're, they're already dead or they later die. Mm. Um, so already in the ambulance, I'm going, well, okay, looks like I got off kind of easy, you know. And, and the other part of me is going, I wonder if I'm going to die, mm. you know. And <laughs> sure. I, I, long, long, long time since I've been in a situation like this, you know. So um, uh, he told me later, I met uh, the the EMT tech later, he came to First Baptist to a service to see me once he found out where I was, you know, and see how it was going. But he told me that when I was in the ambulance, he was pressing on my face where the injury was. I don't remember this, didn't feel it. And he said it was just total mush. Wow. Uh, mm. There's no bone definition, anything in there. Um, also on, on the pain, uh, after he got me in, he said, well, where's your pain on a scale of 1 to 10? And I said, it's about a 2. And he said, okay. He asked about five minutes later, where's it now? And I said, well, two, it's probably three or four. He says, we're going to give you some morphine right now because it's probably heading up. So he did, and, and honestly, from then on through, I didn't have any pain at all. Is that amazing? Yeah. Wow. It was, and I thought, I'll, I'll take it, you know. <laughs> I'll at, take it. At what point did the sermon of that early, earlier day <laughs> enter your mind? You Wade? know, it, it wasn't. <laughs> For probably two or three days really? when someone brought it up to me. Uh, mm, and they said the mm, first time I heard, I mean, when I heard you were injured, mm, that's what came back to mind, where you said, you know, welcome to life. You know, mm, we don't have guarantees that we'll never be hurt mm, or die in an accident or anything else, that bad things happen to good people. And Did Sharon ride in the ambulance with you? No. Yeah. she. Uh, my son Brandon, who was home from uh, Iraq, got in the back of the ambulance and found out the EMT had been a, an EMT in the service. Uh-huh. And so they had some war stories together. Uh, one of my other sons jumped in the front of the ambulance. And then Sharon and my third son, 
uh, drove the cars to the hospital that, that were left behind. Mm-hmm. So then I was in the emergency room, and I'm sort of in and out on this. I think they gave me more morphine. Uh, <laughs> That'll do it to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I was. I remember being in the. Um, what do you call those tubes they put you in? Um, like the uh, scanner, the yeah, MRI scanner. MRI scanner. Yeah. MRI, okay. yeah, I remember going through that. I remember uh, getting x-rays and having them tell me to move my head and do different things. I remember them um, putting a bunch of gauze up my nose you to stop the bleeding. Well, thing. just kind of in and out. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I think I was on the morphine, uh, because I was just sort of in and out through these times. I was told later that word got out kind of quick, you know, one person called another, called another, sure. and that out in the waiting room at Memorial, uh, people from First Baptist started to come in. Lots of prayer. And, yeah, Lots they started prayer. getting uh, mm. just in little yes. circles around yes. and praying. Mm. Yes. And one of the, the men in the church, who's been a longtime leader, said to Sharon out there, he says, Sharon, look around the room. Mm. You know, Wade's talked a lot about prayer first, and that's what we need to do as a church. And she said, just look what's going on. Mm. Look what's happening out here. And uh, for me, when I heard that, I mean, it was just humbling. Because yeah. uh, usually, you know, I'm on the outside of things, ministering into it. Now I'm in the middle and really helpless. I can't do anything about what's going on. And I, all I can do is just lay there and receive. And it was just really humbling and at the same time, really special. You know, I, I mean, one of the things that came out of this is I, I have just never received uh, – such a demonstrative outpouring of love and support mm. uh, from the church that, mm. and and not that it's bad, it's been great, you know, but it was like this event just sort of focused it all. I mean, I, I don't know how many cards I received, a stack at least like 18 inches high, 24 wow. inches high if you were just to stack mm. them up. Um, and so each day there'd be cards coming in, either directly to the home or someone would drop them by that came to the church. It was really pretty special, the the whole outpouring of love. We heard reports, Wade, and, and it didn't take long, you're right, for the word to get out throughout the community of how you were doing, and your spirit was so sweet. Uh, mm. We heard reports of how you were doing, and you were an inspiration <laughs> to a lot of people of how well you were doing, and your faith uh, really was a, a testimony to everyone you know there there were several times throughout the healing process like for the surgery i'll give you a little of this you can grasp what i'm so grateful for here um they there's three pieces of titanium in my face i know where one of them is it fills in the the orbit the lower orbit and if the light's just right you can see you know that the piece of titanium right Mm -hmm. in there um uh, so that was done the they put a sort of a teflon kind of uh, plate, they called it like a little a tarp underneath the eyeball to replace what had been shattered. Otherwise, I mean, literally the eyeball starts sinking in, <laughs> you know, down and you lose your sight. So, mm. so that's all propped up in there. My vision is great. Uh, so there's no lasting functional damage at all. What a miracle. But yeah, plus they had to wire my mouth shut because because somehow with the broken bones, it wasn't the actual jawbone, but something that attaches. My teeth didn't fit right together. The right side would touch, and the left side wouldn't. So I couldn't chew or, or put any pressure on my teeth. So they wired my mouth shut. That was the first thing they did, is they wired it all shut, and then they went to work on 
piecing things together inside. So, um, so I had my mouth wired shut for a month. And people would, would come and, and see me, and I would, you know, talk through clenched teeth, you know, kind of like this, and talk very slowly because I, <laughs> it's easy for people can't understand, and I didn't want to repeat myself. I didn't have a lot yeah. of energy, you know, so right. I'm just talking slow and going through it. And they would say, you must be losing your mind, you know, to, to have your mouth wired shut like this, and how are you eating, and we've got this super-duper blender thing that Sharon bought several years ago, and she can just throw food in it and broth, and, and, it, and it reduces it to baby food, basically. Mm-hmm. What, no milkshakes? Uh, you know you know what's wild? I love milkshakes, but yet I didn't even want one really? during oh, this time. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I might have spoiled it. Maybe God helped me, you know, in that way. And uh, But I had a little space between uh, my top teeth and my bottom teeth where it was wired shut, and so I just slurped everything mm-hmm. through there. In fact, it was such a small opening that Sharon even had to blend applesauce mm. so really? that it could fit through. Wow. Yeah, it would get wow. clogged up. Mm. So, so this is how I'm eating, you know, three, four meals a day, whatever I can handle, you know, slurping it through there, mouth wired shut, can hardly talk. And people would say, you've got to be losing your mind. And that was one of the times that I, I became really, really aware People have got to be praying for me because I'm not losing my mind, mm. and I should be, you know, just, just to feel so confined and, you know, slurping all day, can't chew anything, can't talk, uh, all that. And I th- but yet I was at complete peace mm. through the whole mm. situation. I thought, this is not like me. Mm. You know, this, this has got to be people praying for me because the grace of God was just so evident. Mm. This adds a new dimension when Paul talks about being content. Yeah. And that, that had to go through your mind and, you know, God really taking you through, uh, a, a brand new uh, chapter of understanding the, the depths of what Paul meant by that. Well, it really was. And, and part of it, in connection with that was was just how the grace of God enters in mm. and goes so far beyond our natural abilities or even our uh, positive trying to be like Jesus, mm. you know, energies that we put into things. It was like he just took care of it for me. I mean, I in a lot of ways I felt I was just sort of in this grace bubble yeah. Um, yeah. and just, just sitting there doing doing fine um part of the the other is a real appreciation for the body of christ not just the the outpouring of love but but the the pastoral staff at the Mm. church the the deacons um you know they just said don't worry about anything i mean not like i really could do anything about it you know but don't worry about anything we've got it um and and to know the staff that i work with every day and their capabilities I really didn't worry uh, about what was going on in the ministry, uh, the church. Uh, the men I work with, the women I work with, they are so capable Absolutely. that they were just able to just step right up. They took care of everything. In fact, people told me afterwards, they said, man, wait, I don't know what was going on behind the scenes, but week to week, Sunday to Sunday, 
we never missed a beat. Isn't that great? And I'm going, man, yeah. I love it. Yeah. And that, I mean, that just takes the stress off. You know, I don't have to worry what what's going on as if somehow it's all built on me or around me. It's not. It's it's the body of Christ and everyone doing what they're called to do. Your staff is so supportive. They're oh, always there. They and God's people. timing. Yeah. You know, Brandon's home. You're celebrating. And, you know, his, his timing. And then, you know, this happens. And you're just thinking... Okay, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Brand, one of the other things, Brandon called his, his commander. He was supposed to fly back to Pendleton that night and start his out-processing. Mm-hmm. So he called his commander, told him what happened. He says, Brandon, don't worry about anything. Just stay there with your dad. You know, just keep me updated as to how things are going and when you can come back. He said, but right now we're just cooling our heels, and the class that we're supposed to start Monday has been delayed a week or two. He said, so you'd just be down here cooling your heels anyway, because they were all just back from Iraq. And so it worked out so Brandon could be there. Uh, It was was just really neat to to have the whole family there. Again, friends, uh, here on Lighthouse Live, visiting with uh, Wade Estes, senior pastor of First Baptist Church, and talking through a a major physical trauma and how God's grace was just unfolding, it sounds like, every day. Uh, Before we go to break, uh, Wade, just a quick question. You know, things they don't teach you in cemetery. Uh, yeah. Seminary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, what What you learn your your first year out is, is you don't say dumb stuff to people in pain like, it's going to be okay. As at the moment, it's not. And I understand. Uh, what what kind of dorky things did you hear? Oh, if you man. heard any things that, that we need to be careful of as, as we're trying to comfort others. Um. Thankfully, there wasn't a whole lot. That's okay, good. that's but, that's but, God's but grace. There was, there was some, you know, and uh, especially after I got back, um, a few guys said, "Why didn't you just duck?" <laughs> oh no! <laughs> you, you know, and yeah, great, great question. You know. Um, I like getting hit by balls, you know. I mean, it's just, and and it's, you know, people are just, you know, I guess they can't imagine a ball moving so fast, you know, that that, that could actually happen. They say that during why, the time you had your, why you didn't clenching you your duck? teeth. Um, you know, and, and, but one of the things I did when I, my mouth got unwired, <laughs> and I, and I got back, was, was I, um, I did tell some of the, the, the these things that that people had said, and and shared them in a in a light way and a humorous way because I wanted people to see that I I'm really okay. This this just affected my body, right. you know my and I'd say my I didn't say my mind is fine. I'd said it's no worse than it was before, <laughs> you know. So so there's no no better no worse, um, you know no permanent damage in terms of function because I mean I my eyesight is perfect, um, but. I, I learned to roll with stuff, yeah, sure. uh, and thankfully there wasn't a whole lot. But as you know, there's always a few. Well, I remember the the first prayer time uh, when you came back. <laughs> you know, Wade Wade sitting there, and he's I can tell he's there's something going on in his in his mind. You know, and he's looking at us, <laughs> and he says, "All right, guys, you get five minutes to stare at me, and after that, no more looks." Okay? <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I told the church something similar, you know, that first time back, as I said, I know you're going to want to look. And I said, so you get once a month, okay, once a month. <laughs> Guys, Bebo Norman has a, a current hit song on the on the Christian charts, and it's entitled, I Will Lift My Eyes to the Maker. Great song, huh? And Pastor Wade, your congregation and a community has watched, and uh, you do just that. Let's listen, and we'll be back with lots more here on Lighthouse Live.
That's Bebo Norman, and I will lift my eyes here on Lighthouse Live with Pastor Mike, Elaine Harlan, and our very special guest, Pastor Wade Estes of First Baptist Church in Modesto. And, you know, Pastor Wade, as I think about it, you not only lift your eyes, but you lift your whole life to your maker during that point. And, you know, as, a, as your own congregation watched, an entire community watched you do that. What an inspiration. And we just want to thank you for all that you do and, and all that you mean to your community here and, and to communities listening wherever they may happen uh, to be listening uh, to this program uh, this morning. Just want to thank you for being our guest. Um, and want to thank you for uh, all that you mean to this community. As I was thinking about the uh, prayer time uh, Mike, that mm, you guys are a yeah. part of each and every week here, and as we work together, I was just thinking of John 17 and the unity that we uh, try to build here in this place. You know, Wade, let, let's talk about that just for a few minutes. Um, you know, I've lived in Southern California for actually most of my career, and then then in uh, uh, actually in the 40s uh, moved here to Modesto, and there there's something going on here very special in terms of. Um, the the movement of the Holy Spirit and 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 not 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 in a way where we say gee we have something you don't but I think we're just humbled by the fact that that we have the opportunity uh, to meet as as shepherds together every Wednesday for prayer and we we go to a uh, way to a prayer summit for three and a half days uh, every year. And a lot of communities, uh, you don't have that opportunity just to get on your knees with your brothers and and openly share your heart. There's a safety there. And uh, as we're talking about the prayer support for you and and, and prayer first, there's just a real special dimension of of what God is doing through that prayer time. And let's talk maybe a little bit about um, how that affects us, how that helps us in our our ministry, and, and how also God is kind of taking us to the woodshed once or twice right. too, to, to discipline us through that time. That's right. The, um, you know, Michael, the, uh, Elaine mentioned, Elaine, you mentioned John 17, you know, where Jesus prayed that we would be one as he and the Father are one so that the world would know that the message we proclaim is true and so that the world would know that Jesus really came. And I would say probably for for well for 15 years of, of my ministry life, um, to me as far as that went, was I won't say bad things about you and you don't say bad things about me, you know, in terms of fellow pastors, mm-hmm. and we're all busy with what we're doing. We're all buried. We all know what our primary responsibility is, and so I'll do my thing. You do your thing. We'll do it the best we can, and let's just at least not criticize one another so that there's more problems that we're creating for ourselves. And that was really about as far as it went. And then um, at the first prayer summit that we had, we were pastors from, you know, all over Modesto and surrounding areas. We got together there. And, and I went basically because I knew that God wanted us to have a step beyond just not speaking ill of one another. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't even know what to expect. But I thought, you know, I, I should be there and just sort of see what happens, see what God may want to do. And it was during one of the, you know, the times, which, Michael, you're familiar with, where there's a chair put in the middle mm-hmm. of the room, yeah. and if, if one of the men uh, desires prayer for a specific issue, they come and they sit in the chair, they share what it is, and then we gather around them and pray for them. And I remember one of the brothers um, 
getting in the chair, and he just started. I mean, he was broken emotionally. He was sharing through tears. And the situation he was sharing, I remember sitting there thinking, this is not that big a deal. Mm. You know, I mean, just practically. This, this is not. You know, and I was trying to figure out why such emotion over what he's sharing. And that's when the Lord spoke to me. And he, and he said, Wade, you have, you are blessed to have. I put you in a situation where there's 15, 16 other pastors on the staff. And when you guys just talk about this stuff regularly and you pray for one another regularly, and so it doesn't become this huge burden because you've got someone. And this, this particular pastor was the only pastor in his church was trying to do everything on his own. He had he didn't feel there was a safe place just to share the day-to-day stuff of life that we all go through um, that that a congregant might struggle with that their their pastor, you know, is struggling. Uh, but he just didn't feel a safe place and and it was then that the Lord said, "This is why I want you here and the pastoral staff you lead here, because it's not just for you. It's for the others who who just have themselves. They don't have other brothers, you know, standing close to them and next to them. Or they can just, for me, I just get up out of my chair and walk down the hall. I pick from four, right? you know, in terms of who to sit down with and ask them, could you pray with me about this or that? And this fellow had nobody. And... Also through this process, to me, the the solo church pastors, those guys are the heroes. Yeah. I mean, they they have to cover everything. I mean, not only are they expected to get up and deliver this great stirring message on Sunday, which takes hours of preparation and thought and prayer, uh, but to some of them do it two or three times a week and lead the church and visit the hospitals and do the weddings and do the funerals and handle all the emergencies and the homeless people who come through needing a handout, you know, because they don't have any food and emergencies that go on in the church and marriage counseling and family counseling. And they're doing it all by themselves. And I'm going, you know, I get to delegate, (laughs) you know, I mean, I'm, I'm busy too, but I don't have to cover the breadth of the water these guys have to cover. And if I just get wiped out, I can pick up the phone and say, can one of you guys take this for me? And they can. Uh, so one of the dimensions that's come out of this, Michael, for me, is we, we join to pray together. is just that whole dimension of God intends ministry to be broader than, than just yeah. the ministry or the congregation he's called us to shepherd and to lead. Um, and, and we're enriched uh, by the, the cross-pollinization uh, of what goes on. And I think, too, way there are some side benefits of, of mutual accountability. Yes. And it, it's not that there's, you know, the, the prayer police, but it's we're giving each other permission to speak into our lives. I give you permission yes. to speak into my life, you know, yes. and having that kind of safety and, and those kind of relationships, uh, you know, doesn't happen automatically. It, it happens over time as, as trust builds. And uh, I think also it, it's a great 
leveling. You know, when we're in there, we're not, yeah. you know, we're not pastors of churches of these numbers, or I'm just a pastor of these, or I'm I'm just uh, in a, uh, a, a parachurch ministry. It's uh, it's a level playing field, but we're just on our knees seeking God's guidance. And I think one of the most important things, too, Wade, uh, that you just mentioned is it gives us a city perspective. Yes. It gives us a, a, an idea of we're all working together here under, under the Lordship uh, to reach the city together, not just build our own uh, Yeah, and, and I think when we gather and pray and we, we hear from one another, you know, mm. the prayer requests, we develop this appreciation for what another church or another ministry is doing mm. that we can't do because no one congregation and no one ministry can do it all, right. can reach the whole city. Mm. Uh, and we all have unique things, like one of our uniquenesses is being right in the heart of downtown Modesto, surrounded by parks where the homeless hang out. Uh, we have, you know, a, a great outreach to, to homeless people and to, and to needy people. Whereas if we were located more on the outskirts of Modesto, well, we don't get that kind. They don't get that right. kind of foot traffic out there, right. and so they have other ministries that we don't. Um, and so I think it helps all of us to see the city more broadly mm-hmm. and to have a greater appreciation for what one another are doing and uh, and not recreating the wheel either. Well, it's that body of Christ dynamic, too. It becomes yes. very real, doesn't it? It really does. Yeah. It really does. Mm. Deeply appreciate it. Mm. You know, one of the things I want to talk about, too, very, very quickly is we can very easily throw Romans 8.28 around. Mm. Uh, in fact, sometimes I think we play pretty fast and loose with that but um through your experience way that we've been talking about the uh, uh major trauma that you went through uh, uh physically talk about a little bit uh, what, what did you learn more about romans eight twenty eight than than you knew before okay um we know romans eight twenty eight says and we know that god causes all things to work together for good to those who love god to those who are called according to his purpose. The next verse begins with the word for. Hmm. In other words, now he's going to explain it. He says, for those whom he predestined, uh, he called to be conformed to the image of his son. And so my understanding of 828 and 829 is that God will take anything and everything that comes into our lives as we're walking with him and he will use it to make us more like Christ. Mm. And that's the ultimate good. Amen. There there may be, and, and I've seen, circumstantial good. But I think what the, the thrust of it is, is God will take even the evil. You know, like when Joseph's brothers, you, you know, sold him into Egypt, and he said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. That God will take even the evil stuff and the sin that gets thrown against us and he'll use that to shape us and make us more like Christ. So for me, um, it gave me a much deeper appreciation or empathy for those who are suffering. Um, With my day-to-day responsibilities, I don't get in the hospitals much. Um, I don't do a lot of memorial services or funerals. And so, I mean, there, there's others who take care of that for, for the congregation. And so being in the position of the one who was really messed up, you know, and needed to receive help and care 
and made even more sensitive to the things people would say. Mm. Um, it's made me a whole lot more sensitive mm. uh, yeah. to what I say to people who are suffering than I would have before. Um, it's given me a, a deeper and greater appreciation uh, for the breadth of the body of Christ. Mm. And I've already mentioned about our own congregation, but but hearing that in other congregations, they actually shared with their church what had happened to me, and they took time to pray for me. I'm mm. going, that's pretty neat. Yeah. You know, awesome. I mean, why would, I, I mean, if they never had it, would I wouldn't have surprised me. You right. know, I mean, I don't expect them to make me, you know, a focus of their worship service, uh, but but to hear that they had, and then for members in our church to be told, we prayed for your pastor Sunday. Mm-hmm. I mean, what that did for me and for the others in our church, it, it was just this, this profound sense of, of gratitude, mm-hmm. of, of humility, mm-hmm. of... You know, we there's a, a ways in which we really are one in Christ. We just happen to go to different congregations mm-hmm. to which the Lord's called right. us, Amen. but we mm-hmm. still really love and care for one another. Right. Mm-hmm. So right. I'd say those are the kind of the the things that that struck me mm-hmm. uh, and made me appreciate uh, what God was working in my heart. Indeed. Friends, we're with Pastor Wade Estes, and we've got lots more right after this. Deep needs, deep hurts, spreading far beyond the government's ability to help. Children, single moms and dads, the elderly, disabled, the homeless. Yet, thousands of resources that can meet those needs are sitting right now in the pews and seats of our churches. The challenge? Activating those resources and connecting them with the people in need. We have a proven solution, advancing vibrant communities. We bridge the gap. We connect people and churches with opportunities to serve the needs of their neighbors. Pure, simple, proven effective, advancing vibrant communities. What's our motivation? Jesus' command in Matthew 22, 39, to love your neighbor as yourself. The church at large has a biblical mandate to serve the needs of the community. Advancing Vibrant Communities researches those needs, then finds volunteers with the skills and passions to meet those needs. The very first story that Mike told about AVC involves serving one of my church members whose needs I could not meet within my own community. And in that moment, God humbled me and asked me to open my heart and really listen. And as I saw the setup of the database, I realized that AVC is a wonderful partner with my own congregation. It helps us be more effective. This organization comes along and says, I'll do a lot of the groundwork and we'll discover the needs. And then those folks in your congregation who desire to be a part and who have these skills can volunteer. AVC partners with over 80 community and government agencies to help meet the needs of the city. We network with organizations like Habitat for Humanity, the American Red Cross, Salvation Army, the Area Agency on Aging, the School District, and the Police Department. Habitat and AVC is a perfect match in that we both have common missions of helping people get out of the four walls of the church, getting out into the community and helping others. AVC serves volunteers by finding ways for them to help others. AVC serves the needy through volunteer efforts with love, grace, mercy, and compassion. 
AVC serves churches by augmenting efforts to reach out and meet the needs of their neighbors. AVC serves businesses by helping create healthy neighborhoods, by connecting employees with opportunities to volunteer, and by providing opportunities to donate goods and services to legitimate needs in the community. You know, some of us can donate a little money, some a little time, some one or the other or both. It really touched my heart that these strangers were interested in me and what I needed in my life. You know, it's not only hearing it, but it's seeing them, and it's being there in person and seeing the, the need that they have and hopefully being able to do something about it. I will tell you, as you know, your chief of police in the city of Modesto, we need your help in the community making a difference. Volunteer, I know we can put you to work. And I, I promise you, if you get involved, you'll feel better. You'll be happier. How can we partner with you to meet the needs of our city? We ask you to consider monthly financial support and to help recruit more volunteers. Advancing Vibrant Communities. Faith in action. Pure, simple, proven effective. Carrying out the biblical mandate to love our neighbors as ourselves. Thank you. And we're back with you on Lighthouse Live. Pastor Mike Elaine and Pastor Wade Estes of First Baptist Church in Modesto. And I tell you what, what a great story that Wade has shown, shared with us this morning. And, and Wade, as you shared about the uh, pastor that maybe carries a lot, uh, the Lone Ranger, not the Lone Ranger, but he has a lot to carry in the congregation himself. I'm just wondering as the congregants think about how they may better serve him how can we come alongside that pastor, and what can, what kinds of things can we think about doing uh, for pastors like yourself and for Pastor Mike? How can we better share the burden for you guys? I think the uh, the first thing would would be to pray, and I mean sincerely pray, um, to try to ask the Lord to help you understand your pastor's world. Mm. Um, so that you can uphold him in prayer. Because, I mean, it really is a team effort. I mean, he's the guy who you see in the pulpit and, you know, usually see first in, in various situations. But he's he's just human, and uh, he's he's got his own stuff. He's got his own skin. He's got his own challenges, his own temptations. He's got his family in most cases, and he's living the same kind of life everyone else is living in that regard, but with with also the burden of, of uh, just trying to carry and help others and do the responsibilities that he has. And so so prayer is, is critical. Amen. Secondly, encouragement. Um, it goes a long, long way. Uh, some people, I think, can think, well, he's getting paid to do this. Well, in most cases, he could do something similar in the secular world and make a whole lot more money at Indeed. it. Okay? Yes. Um, so, so it's not... Well, he's getting a check. He ought to do this. But, no, God's called him to do this. Mm -hmm. And that's why he's doing it. And that's even what enables him to hang in and keep doing it is because he knows God told him to mm -hmm. and, and God called him to. But but with that, to, to encourage and, um, you know, if God spoke to you as he preached the word, to tell him. Don't assume that he just knows he's so marvelous and such an incredible communicator 
you know, that of course everyone is telling him what a great job he's doing. Most of the time, no, they're not. No, they're not. And as people, we tend to, we, we can be real self-centered. All of us can. And we can also be very critical yeah. at times, can't yeah. we? Yeah, and, and it's where if my specific need isn't being addressed, right. my specific challenge isn't being met the way I feel that challenge should be met, well, then he's not serving me the way he should, and we can become um, pretty demanding and pretty critical. And part of it just goes from the society we live in where we demand uh, excellent customer service from the guy behind the cash register at 7-Eleven to whoever it may be, you know, that everything's to be perfect and I'm to be served fine and exactly as I desire. And that's just not, it's just not reality. I mean, like Jesus said, I, we're called to serve, mm-hmm. not to be served. And that goes for all of us. And so words of encouragement go a long ways, whether it's just a thank you, whether it's a, a brief note, whether it's a phone call, uh, just say, would you just let the pastor know, thanks for that message Sunday. Mm. You know, it was what I needed. Um, j- those two things are big. And this one's probably touchy. Um, but the board or whoever has carries response for the church needs to make sure the guy's paid so that he can take care of his family. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. You know, to where he's not worried about where's the next meal coming from, to where his kids aren't saying, how come all the other kids get a yearbook that costs 80 bucks now, you know, and, <laughs> and I don't, and the kid's assuming, well, it's because my dad's a pastor and the church isn't taking care of him. Um, you know, there's, there's just, that's a real deal. It's that's a real, that's deal. a real deal. I mean, there's need for clothes and food and house payments and cars break. And, you know, if, if he's worrying about, you know, where's the, the Visa card this month and the MasterCard and the JCPenney card and the Mervyn's card, <laughs> and that's how he's getting by, he's going to have a hard time serving the way he ought. And the scripture says uh, to pay him so that they don't have to worry. Yeah. Wade, Amen. we want to thank you so very much for sharing your time with us. It really got away from us this morning. And we want to thank you at First Baptist Church because you guys have certainly stepped up to the plate with us here at ABC. You support us prayerfully, financially, and volunteer-wise. We have over 200 volunteers in the ABC database with us from First Baptist Church. And we want to thank you, thank brother. You. We love you. Thank you so much. Dear friends at home and wherever you may be listening, we want to thank you for listening in. Our next live show will be Monday, June 25th at 5 p.m. with Lori Swanson and Maricela Murphy as they minister to our youth on purity. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time. Until then, may God continue to bless you.